0: Welcome back into First Draft. I am Field Yates, joined by ESPN NFL Draft analysts, Jordan Reed, Matt Miller. We're back for our, let's call it every two weeks cadence. Jordan, how are you, my friend?
1: I'm good. Can't complain at all. It's always a pleasure being here doing our podcast, and I'm excited about this one. This should be a fun one.
0: Yes, indeed. Jordan, we're going to keep you very busy as your uh, new quarterback hot board is available now uh, on ESPN.com. Matt, what's going on with you, my friend?
2: Everything's good here. I'm excited to rip apart Jordan's rankings instead of having to go through like a top 50 of mine or a mock draft. It's like, you know what? That's nice, right? Let's tear apart what Jordan's been doing. Now, Jordan does a hell of a job and I'm excited to talk about these quarterbacks.
0: We're going to dive into them in just a few moments. But we want to start with some news. Uh, As Just, what, three or four days ago from the time of this conversation, uh, the NFL informed all 32 teams that the college All-Star Games, the most prominent being the Senior Bowl and the East-West Shrine game not too far behind as well, amongst others, would now allow underclassmen to take part in these All-Star Games. Previously, they had been reserved for well, players that had finished college careers already and have been seniors during their college careers. I know you guys wanted to talk a little bit about what this might mean for the future of these games. So, uh, Jordan, I'll start with you. What did you make of this news from the NFL?
1: Yeah, it was something that had been a rumor for about a month now, and it it wasn't something that I thought would come to fruition so early. I was surprised to see them actually make it eligible this year. Um, So I I think what is really unique about it is you kind of have to look at it from both sides of the equation, and I think... It's brutal for later round seniors just because Mm. there's going to be so many juniors that do end up declaring and they're going to maybe want to play in this all star game to be showcased in front of all 32 teams. But also on the opposite end of the spectrum, I kind of was thinking Texan agents and then some people around the league. Let's say you're Kayla Williams. Right. And you're just fed up with people talking about jumping into your mom's arms, crying. and He's just like, screw it. I'm going to go down to the senior bowl and prove everybody wrong that yeah. I'm mentally tough. I can sling the ball and I'm the consensus number one overall pick. So I think there's two sides of the equation that you have to look at it. It could be good for higher ranked players, but also I think it's absolutely brutal from some late round guys. Like, for example, let's say a couple of years ago we maybe never even hear of somebody like Quinn Miners that comes from a division three school. Now that we have such a big pool of different seniors and also adding the underclassmen. And so it's kind of, I kind of went back and forth about it. So there is a bunch of positives and negatives. It just depends on which end of the spectrum that you look at it from.
2: Yeah. And I'll jump in on that. I think even the day of like the day three player is, is going to be few and far between because of transfer portal. I mean, like if you're a good D three player, you're, you're getting pulled up. I, I live, five miles from a, a pretty good MIAA school. And it's they're dealing with that constantly. If if you're good, you're you're gone. And so I do think that's going to be an impact as well, guys. But I see this as – we see we had 69 juniors declare for the draft last year. Uh, I believe that number is right, which is a lower number. But all those guys aren't, aren't going to the Shrine Game or the Senior Bowl. So I do think that we'll see the, the talent pool spread around. I think – and I wrote about this for our Monday Morning Draft Notebook. This could really help a guy like J.J. McCarthy. Like if you're quarterback three in this class mm. – and yeah. let's say Caleb Williams and Drake may go the traditional route. And they're like, nah, I'm too good for the bowl games. I'll see you at the combine. And, and we maybe maybe all throw. For a J.J. McCarthy or a Quinn Ewers or, you know, pick your junior quarterback that you like, uh, Carson Beck, if he declares. Uh, go to one of these all-star games and you can improve your stock. I, I think, you know, we saw Baker Mayfield do that at the senior bowl where everybody was like, oh, my God, Josh Allen's a mobile. Well, Baker Mayfield really started his climb that year to the, to yeah. the number one pick spot. So uh, I, I do think for... Those you know, mid to late first round guys, this could be a huge opportunity to make themselves some money.
0: Perhaps I shouldn't mention this, Matt, because I'm not sure all these quarterbacks have fared particularly well in the NFL, but big senior bowl weeks have included Baker Mayfield, Daniel Jones, Carson Wentz, Mac Jones all guys who saw their stock boost appreciably because of their time yep. down uh, immobile whether they fanned hey, out in the NFL Hurks, or not.
2: Dak Prescott there were some, yeah, good there ones been some too, guys yeah. like, Right right so yeah but been I'm talking about the guys
0: yeah yeah guys yeah. that also but I'm talking about guys that maybe went from like likely first round picks to like solidified their stance as in the case of Daniel Jones the number one quarterback drafted right. in his class you know I think uh, a couple of years ago with Mac Jones, it was, is he a late first round pick? He ended up being a mid first round pick, but it'd be really interesting as well as it pertains to what the bowl games look like this year. I want to say uh, Jim Nagy, who, of course, is the terrific director of the uh, Senior Bowl, uh, had announced a player invite like five minutes before Shefty broke the news about the fact that seniors were now, or excuse me, non-seniors were now eligible to play in the game. So I wonder just how far along in the process Jim and his team, plus the various other bowl games, had gotten in assembling or sort of guessing what their rosters are going to look like there's going to be some uh, audibles called if you will over the next few weeks here as those uh all-star game invites do go out but uh our experience you know the three of us that get to be selfish in this regard have a much more compelling trip now down to the senior bowl because uh it's just going to be that much more talent do we have to rename the senior bowl by the way does it need to be named oh, yeah. just the reese's bowl
2: yeah yeah, or the draft bowl. I know is big bowl. on that would the work. draft starts in Mobile. Like, yeah, call it the draft The Mobile Bowl. bowl. Get in yeah, on it. Work. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, all
0: right, so some news there. And uh, by the way, like, before you know it, the deadline for juniors, or I should say, underclassmen to declare is going to come around the corner. Like, we're getting into a fairly newsy portion of the calendar over the next 50 to 60 days. Of course, the final 50 or so days of the college football season is right here upon us. And again, Jordan writes the hotboard. It goes up on ESPN.com. You update it like what? Like every two to three weeks, Jordan?
1: Every four weeks.
0: Every four weeks. All right. I'm not yeah. much of a math major, but four <laughs> weeks uh, is the official time between hotboard updates. And a new one is available, Jordan. If you've listened to this show in prior episodes that the three of us have done, we've gone through some of these quarterbacks in some level of depth. So what I was thinking about doing is, and I'll let each one of you chime in here, is just at the top of the board, quick assessment. If there's something dramatic that's changed, you can make note of it, but we don't need a deep dive into Caleb Williams or Drake May. They've been one and two on your board since jump. And then I might ask you about a couple of guys that all of a sudden are either seeing their stock rise, seeing their stock fall, or have perhaps come a little bit more off the radar than the guys that have been there the entire time. Does that work for you guys?
2: That sounds great. You don't want to do a deep dive into Caleb Williams' time in the pocket today? No, <laughs> we,
0: we, we, you know what, Matt? We've, we'll uh, save that. We'll save that one for another. There will be a lot of Caleb Williams talk over the next five and a half months. That much is for sure. So uh, Caleb remains number one, Jordan and Matt. So no, like, is there anything that you need to get off your chest here about Caleb Williams that you feel like the world deserves to hear that you haven't previously said publicly?
2: I would just say don't panic. I think we're in a spot where everyone is over-evaluating every throw Caleb Williams makes. And there's some flaws to his game. Absolutely, but don't panic. Don't over evaluate. Uh, take the big picture. I think C.J. Stroud is teaching us that lesson weekly in the NFL right now. Just remember to evaluate the big picture and not hyper fixate on every throw.
1: Yeah, and I call this not draft fatigue, but once a player is draft eligible, especially a quarterback, it's just like we poke so many holes in them. And Caleb has his holes in his warts, rightfully so. But a lot of people hype these guys up the freshman or sophomore years, and miraculously, when they become draft eligible, it's like, oh man, we're starting to panic Damn about down. a bunch of this yeah. stuff. Yeah, it happened with Trevor Lawrence. It happened with a lot of different quarterbacks throughout the pre-draft process. But, and I talked about this a little bit last week on College Football Live, and that it seems to kind of be trending that Caleb Williams and Drake May is one A and one B, depending on who you talk to. And there are some people that actually prefer Drake May, whether we agree with it or not. Um, They are considered 1A and 1B. So I think this quarterback one race is going to be really interesting going down the backstretch of this season and also during the pre-draft process, too. And then going back to the point made about the All-Star game, what if Drake May goes down and plays at the draft bowl (laughs) and Kayla Williams elects not to play? So draft eligible uh, players being now being able to play in the senior bowl, quote unquote, senior bowl is now. It's gonna be a little bit spicy, man. I'm really interested to see how this angle does play out, especially throwing a wrench in everything. Drake May goes down and plays in the Senior Bowl. What does Caleb Williams end up doing? Sure. Remember Justin Herbert
2: went. Justin Herbert went to the Senior Bowl that year. It was Joe Burrow who was like going first, but Tua was in there and couldn't go. Remember all the talk was Herbert's gonna go prove he's the guy, and obviously, you know, he ended up being the third quarterback drafted, still a top six pick, but. There's some precedent for
0: that, Jordan. Uh, So number three on your board, your big board, Jordan, is Shudor Sanders, who has been, who's just an incredible talent. Uh, The reason why we can kind of move past this one is two reasons, I guess. One, he's been there. He's been your number three guy in prior editions of the QB Hot Board. And two, I know that the deadline is still some 50 to 60 odd days away, but God, it sure feels like Shudor Sanders is bound for one more year at Colorado, of course, I think Dion's actually kind of acknowledged that publicly. So I think we can probably save most of our Shador thoughts for either if he does in the unlikely event to declare, or we'll be talking about him a ton for the 2025 draft certainly would be amongst the best players available. If he decides to take out, Um, stay around for one more season. So let's move past him to JJ McCarthy and uh, the pre- Probably most difficult quarterback to evaluate so far this season is J.J. McCarthy. Last week was supposed to be the week. This past Saturday was supposed to be the week in which it all started. The evaluation started for J.J. McCarthy because he finally played a good team. He completed seven of eight passes on Saturday against Penn State Jordan. he They ran the ball 26 straight times to finish the game, did Michigan. Have we learned enough about JJ. McCarthy where you feel like that quarterback four ranking is pretty firm, or is he kind of flimsily holding on to that spot because he's still kind of a mystery?
1: I think it's a little bit fluid and flimsy, honestly, just because whatever questions you had about JJ going into the game against Penn State, you had the same exact questions coming out of the game. They finished the game with thirty two straight run plays, and that's including the two nil downs to end the game. but, I think it's yeah, more so six them.
0: 26. I'm, again, math is not my strength.
2: But just a reminder there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you're, you're fine. You're fine. It, it was a ton of runs. Let's just leave it at that. No pass attempts in the second half, and there was one that was negated by a pass interference penalty. But whatever questions you had about JJ going into the game, you, you have the same questions as exiting that game. Just because I respect Sharon more, and I love everything that he did in that game, he understood that his offensive line, specifically is right tackle was just getting demoralized. Chop Robinson, they were just taking turns on him. So he said, "Let's just condense everything and let's just run the ball at the speed that they do have." So I don't think it's necessarily a knock against JJ just because he's had plenty of games of where he's had over 25 or 30 passing attempts, but once again, we still haven't seen him against a high-quality opponent going against what I like to call a negative script of where he has to pass the ball since the college football playoffs. So there's a lot weighing on that Ohio State game here coming up in a couple of weeks, but I am a bit disappointed in that we still have the same questions uh, exiting that game as we had entering the game about J.J. McCarthy.
2: If you liked J.J. headed into the game, you still like him. And you say, hey, they only let him throw the ball eight times. He completed seven of them. It's not like, you know, he was the problem and they stopped throwing the ball because of it. Like Jordan said, it was the offensive line was the problem. You've got a head coach who got suspended when the plane landed. And so it's <laughs> like you you want to go, you know, kind of mistake-free football. I still like JJ. I think he was my quarterback three or four when the season began. He is, if you take Shador out of the equation, he's my quarterback three. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's efficient. He's smart. He's, he's really tough. We saw that what he did as a runner in the second half against Penn state should get you excited. I know he didn't throw the ball yeah. a lot, but what he was able to do as a runner, he dings his ankle up, uh, it comes right back in the next series. Uh, he's just a really tough player who I think you go back the week before they threw the ball like 37 times. So, yeah. There will be enough. I think when we have that total picture, if he does declare, and I, everything I've heard says he will declare for the draft, uh, we'll have that total picture of you know twelve, thirteen games this year to look at third down throws and and what he's done under pressure and those things that really matter. But I don't, I don't think eight throws against Penn State says, oh man, we got to rush to move JJ McCarthy down the board or anything.
0: Yeah, and if Michigan keeps playing the way that they have, they've got four more games ahead of them, right? Two more in the regular season. I guess five, actually. The Big Ten Championship game, whoever that would be against, plus potentially two college playoff games. So there should be a stiffer competition for him, Jordan, down the road here.
1: I was going to say, Field, like if there was one guy that I would have circled that needs to play in the All-Star game, I definitely think it would be him, just because you want to see him outside of that Michigan offense. We know Harbaugh and that staff, they want to run the football. Like, that is Jim Harbaugh's identity. They have two really good backs and Corum and Edwards, but wouldn't it just be great to see JJ participate in seven on seven or 11 on 11 just to put him in those game like situations, just because we're not really going to get some of that stuff with some of the opponents that he's playing outside of two games, assuming they play or they make the college football playoffs. So we'll be able to see him against three quality opponents. But I just would love to see him at an all-star game where we're seeing the best of the best, not only seniors, but now underclassmen as well. I think the senior bowl could definitely shine a little bit more light on what he is as as a prospect.
0: All right. So here's where it gets fun. Quarterback five, because <laughs> I don't know that there's necessarily consensus amongst the top four, but we've been talking about those four guys for a long time. And then all of a sudden, not necessarily unfamiliar names, but perhaps less familiar names are here on the quarterback board. Number five is Carson Beck. I think we think of Georgia all the time, Jordan, and think they're just, you know, a first round defense. And then, you know, nasty offensive linemen and great receivers and, you know, NFL level running backs. But what has impressed you about Carson Beck? Like he has been a fast riser aboard this season.
1: Yeah, so as I've been charting him and just watching him this season, it's like, man, it's like he just continuously gets better and better and better every single game. We saw it against Ole Miss this past weekend of where they've completely rolled out the game plan with him and they trust him to make so many def- different types of throws. He throws a balanced platform. He's a very good runner. Um, but the thing that he's so good at is that he's so clean getting through his progressions, like he doesn't make any mistakes when he does throw the football. So I think with Carson Beck, it's more so the foundation that you're excited about. Yes, he does only have 10 starts now to his credit, which is a little bit alarming, especially when you're talking about a one year starter. We've seen how debatable that is in the past, even going back to Anthony Richardson last year, of where you want to see guys get a little bit more starts, but the foundation is so promising with him. And I don't know if we're going to see him this year, but if we do. I think he would be one to keep an eye on as far as him uh, rising throughout the process, just based on what we have seen so far this season in his one year as a starter.
2: Yeah, I think you shuffle him to 25. I've already done it. I've taken him and Shador Sanders (laughs) and just cut, paste, put him in the 2025 tab. I don't think we're going to see him. I'll I'll jump on that. He's been – they're conservative. Like They are throwing the ball 30 times a game, which is maybe a little bit new for Georgia. It's still very conservative, so his numbers aren't going to blow you away. But what he's done since – uh, Brock Bowers went out has been really impressive. You get Ladd McConkey back a little bit injured early in the year. Brock Bowers goes down and it's like he has not lost anything losing his most dependable receiver over the middle of the field. So uh, I think the Kentucky game was kind of the coming out party where people took notice of like, hey, this this dude is for real. He can sling it as well as anyone and he's got NFL body type, NFL athleticism. So uh, I've heard starter grades on him but it does sound like he'll be back at Georgia next year much to the Chagrin of everyone in the SEC because they just they they in-house recruit so well at Georgia. It feels yeah, like they're always yeah. you know like Nolan Smith and those guys. Oh, they but well, they come out to be first-round picks. Uh, no, I'm going to go back to school for a year. It sounds like they've done the same thing here with Beck.
0: All right. Well, here's some good news for SEC defensive coordinators. Jaden Daniels can't come back next year. He's exhausted <laughs> all of his eligibility. Has played a ton of football. So the opposite end of the spectrum from Carson Beck is a guy who. Graduated already from Arizona State, did that in three years, went to LSU to get his master's, and uh, Jordan, in terms of like single-game moments, uh, this past weekend was one of the most impressive from any player as Jaden Daniels put LSU's offense on his back. He is firmly in the mix for, well, you know what? I'm no like, uh, you know, I'm no Stanford Steve with the, uh, you know, the Heisman Trophy sort of like, you know, front runners, et cetera, et cetera. But he's been awesome. He at least deserves to be in that conversation in my boat. But what kind of NFL prospects are there for the LSU starter?
1: Well, he's the one that is steadily rising. And like, if you would have told me that this was the same guy that we saw at Arizona State, I would have laughed at you. Like he's Mm. improved so much. And the big worry about Daniels even coming into the season was that, he just leaves the pocket prematurely. He didn't have any pocket patience. And then the accuracy was all over the place. Ooh, and then you yeah. combine that with the slender frame as well. And he's a little bit chaotic as a runner too. Like he just takes a massive hits, So he needs to learn to protect himself. But Malik neighbors and Brian Thomas jr. Two players that are also surging up boards as well. He just created so much chemistry with him. Like the deep accuracy is outstanding. He has so much more pocket patience. His progressions are really good. They're clean, but his, he's so dangerous as a runner. We saw it last week against Florida of where like, he looked like Lamar Jackson out there. <laughs> like he was just yeah. slicing them. He was slicing them. And it was it was so amazing to watch him play just because he was so in sync and he's in rhythm. So with him and J.J. McCarthy, I think that quarterback three spot is going to be really interesting. Like I think he could get that high. And there's a lot of people that really like Jaden Daniels. And similar to Bo Nix, you kind of have to wash your hands and your memory as far as what they were from their last stop. Yep. Uh, with Movenix being at Auburn and then now Jaden going away from Arizona State at LSU. Like, these are completely different players. They're completely different, and the transfer portal has really helped them. So I'm really intrigued with Jaden Daniels, and it wouldn't surprise me. Like, top end of the second round, that would not surprise me at all. Like, I've heard those type of grades for him.
2: Yeah, let's remember, he's only 22. I know, like Field mentioned, he was at Arizona State, did three years there. He's still relatively young, like this is not Stetson Bennett, who, you know, is old enough to rent a car and is, is entering the draft. So I, I think Jaden, no one is playing better at the quarterback position right now in college than Jaden Daniels. So take that for what it's worth as you evaluate him as a draft prospect. I think there's going to be questions of like, why did it take him so long for this to click? Is he boosted by those two amazing receivers they have? And like, those are all fair questions that we're going to have to break down in February and March and, and early April. But Man, what he's doing right now is special, and the deep ball is just electric. I mean, what the connection that he has with with Brian Thomas Jr. on the outside is is crazy. And I think what I've seen best the pocket presence, even from Week One this year, the pocket presence for Jane Daniels has just gotten so much better, Uh, much more patient, much more poised. And as you guys said, when he wants to pull it down and run, like good luck. There's there's no stopping that guy. And I'm like, I'll throw this, but even when like Justin Fields and those guys were coming out. My thought process was if you're gonna have to develop as a quarterback and everyone does basically, why not go for the guy who's just super athletic that is yeah. gonna make you pay with his legs and Jaden has the deep ball, he's got the running ability. Like I, I would be more prone to go that way as opposed to, you know, some of the other people we talk about as is, is round two quarterbacks.
0: You know, I've been thinking about some of the quarterbacks in recent years that have failed. And one of the themes amongst them is the quarterback's that have no support along the offensive line. And you have to be more than just mobile to make up for a bad offensive line. You have to have pocket presence that both of you guys have mentioned with Jaden. And uh, it's, it really has popped up in recent games. He knows that very fine line between, like, when I can tuck and run and when I can buy myself one extra second and find one of those incredible receivers. By the way, Jason Taylor's son, put that guy in the, uh, in the bookmark folder for 2025 or 20, whatever year he, he is eligible <laughs> That might be the next, I don't know about Brock Bowers, but a first-round tight end if I've ever seen one who's only a true sophomore at LSU. Uh, You mentioned a minute ago, Matt, that the best quarterback in terms of play right now in the country is Jaden Daniels. Washington fans, Oregon fans are going to be pissed (laughs) to hear that one, Jordan. They're coming. So I'm going to do those two in the same conversation, Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr., not because they're similar. They're very dissimilar as players, but because they play in the same conference and because maybe those two are considered the Heisman frontrunners right now. They're seven and eight on your board. What's the latest? Anything you haven't covered previously on those two that you want to mention now?
1: Well, with Pennix, I think of all the quarterbacks, specifically the seniors, there's been the most mixed opinions with him. I will yeah, say that totally. just because of the offense that he's in. And then you combine that with the medicals too, as well. But I mean, he's putting up numbers in the offense. He's shown decent accuracy. I would say he, now he's throwing us some dudes on the perimeter. Roma Dunze, Jalen McMillian, Jalen Polk as well. I think is the best trio of wide receivers in the it's country right now. Get. Nobody. Yeah. yeah nobody's yeah. playing as good as those guys. So I think with Penix, he's going to have a lot of varying opinions about him. Once again, another guy that I would love to see at the senior bowl outside of that offense as well, just because it's fireworks. Like how does he play within the short to intermediate areas? Is he accurate enough to hit balls in those areas too? So he's one I would love to see outside of that offense. And then with Bo Nix, they couldn't be different as far as their playing style. Bo Nix is that that player that makes you play pay with those leverage reads, that quick game, those quick perimeter screens, and then he's timely with those deep shots down the field. Uh, Troy Franklin is another player that's having a breakout year, too. They've yeah. grown together and developed some really good chemistry. So vastly different, but once again, two players that I think are going to have a lot of mixed opinions and different variants of, of, of opinions as well as far as their draft stock moving forward. Anything on those two, Matt?
2: Yeah, I'm a I'm a Bo Nix guy, which I can't believe I'm saying. If I could go back in time and remember what I said when he was at Auburn, I, th- the fact that we're here <laughs> says a lot about Bo Nix's growth as a player. Uh, but I do think, like the way that he executes, uh, you know, the the efficiency, the accuracy, the timing, like that's probably not ready to put a round one grade on him. But I think he's going to be comparable for me to Will Levis, who was mm. you know, like an early round two player for me. That's right where he got drafted. Um, I don't know that Bo's quite that athletic. But, I think, a similar type of grade and and someone who's just, again, everything you hear about him is fantastic. um and he he has a cleaner injury history. That's my biggest thing with Michael Penix. Like the release is a little bit slow as he's a lefty, which probably throws that off a little bit, too. Um, it is kind of a one, two throw deep at times, but it's just the the injury history is so hard to get past with him. and And I, I've said on here before, I'm kind of hedging until we get some of the medicals back on him to know. You know, you got two shoulder injuries, two knee injuries. That's that's a lot to put on a 22-year-old.
1: Yeah, they don't have the ask, IR. Can I ask Go you ahead. this though, Matt? Now, mm-hmm. now that he's been healthy for two years now, does that mean anything in your evaluation?
2: That helps. No, it absolutely helps. And especially like ACL, you know, we're seeing guys pop back in nine months from those, but it's more the shoulder for me. The shoulder, the clavicle is where, like, I'm not a doctor. I will never pretend to be that, but just want to hear like, hey, is this something that's going to hold up? You know, we've all heard of players who – You know, Nick Chubb was famously the one where they're like, this guy will never be able to play in the NFL and he's one of the best running backs in the league now. So you have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. But, you know, just that how do the doctors see the shoulder? Is it going to hold up over time? And, you know, I I think we see now, guys, just he's not the biggest dude. You know, this isn't a Justin Herbert size guy. So can he handle the wear and tear a little bit, too?
0: I want to ask you about one more, Jordan, and then I'm going to mention the final five on your board, kind of in a cluster, because I think the drop-off takes place after this next quarterback. It's Quinn Ewers from Texas, back in the fold after missing some time due to injury himself. He feels like a guy who has a lot to earn over these next four, five games, potentially, for the Longhorns.
1: He's one that like I've, I haven't went more back and forth on a quarterback this year than Quinn Ewers. was like he was I think yeah. he was my quarterback four on the previous hot board and then he got hurt. Um, and then he just saw some inconsistencies as well. But I think Quinn is very accurate, but I just want to see a little bit more urgency with him. Um, that's been my biggest gripe with him. And then just the deep ball accuracy. I'm really concerned about this deep ball accuracy. That's just my biggest worry with him. But in the short to intermediate areas, I think he has really good accuracy. But I just want to see him be a little bit more consistent. He's prone to getting off the slow starts. And then just the inconsistency with the ball placement and then the deep accuracy, like I said, that's something that's just really, really concerning with me. But like I said, I haven't went more back and forth on a quarterback than Quinn Ewers, and I'm still really trying to figure
2: him out. Yeah, I mean, he could go anywhere from middle of round one to round three and mm. I, I think right now we're just we're trying to figure out who this guy is he's he's 20 years old he's missed significant time each of his two seasons as a starter and the decision making at times there might be 20 throws a game where you're like damn this kid he's going top 15 like he looks mm. amazing and then there's three throws a game where you're like what why like what why are you doing these things so i think that's just some of the maturity at the position that shows up it, like his lack of experience really shows up at times, even though he's a junior. You know, he didn't play that first year at Ohio State. Uh, was hurt for a significant period uh, after the Alabama hit last year. Missed two games this year. So it just, it shows up at times. And his his supporting cast is too good for some of the mistakes that he makes. And that's the hard part, you know, of evaluating him is you see those flashes that are are so, so talented and special, but then you see the poor decision-making. So I'm with you. I mean, Texas has to win out. Like Every game is, is huge for them at this point. Uh, TCU gave them everything they had in the second half. Uh, Texas Tech is is playing super tough right now, even though they're not, you know, a great team all around. So there's going to be some good tests, you know, if they can, you know, get to get past the Big 12 championship game and, and into the playoff, maybe there'd be an expanded window to look at him. But I think Ewers is like, we talked about J. J. McCarthy being able to benefit from this junior rule. Ewers is next in that list. If he does declare, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think anyone knows right now if he's going to or not. If he does declare like this guy has to be, throwing every opportunity he gets basically.
0: If he doesn't yeah, declare me, and we have an arch manning controversy next year, are you really going <laughs> to not allow Malik Murphy? Over? We might have a Malik
1: yeah. Murphy too. Yeah. 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 And I and I just wanted to add this field like the Oklahoma game was a snapshot of him as a prospect. Like he goes out and he yeah. throws two early picks and then he goes out and he what through 20 straight completions? Yeah, he was like perfect. that's a that's a yeah. that's a snapshot, but I also add this with Jonathan Brooks now being out, mm. I think that's going to put a lot of bit more, a little bit more heavy lifting on his shoulders too. So we're going to get a good feel for him down the back stretch as well.
0: Yeah, Jonathan Brooks, uh, Texas running back, who I think all of us had as at least our second best running back, if not number one,
2: yeah.
0: on each of our boards, has been uh, diagnosed with a torn ACL. He's out for the season. Obviously, that could impact his decision to declare for the twenty twenty four NFL Draft. Uh, We'll find out there. Certainly uh, feel terrible for the kid because he was playing lights out this season. All right, so the final five on Jordan's board, Michael Pratt from Tulane, who is headed to the senior slash draft bowl, Spencer Rattler from South Carolina, Jordan Travis, Cam Ward from Washington State, and Sam Hartman from Notre Dame via Wake Forest. Is there one on that list, Jordan, that you think has the most upside out of the five, or do you feel like all these guys are probably destined to be career backups?
1: Well, I wouldn't say he has the most upside, but the one that I would feel the most comfortable drafting is Michael Pratt of Tulane. I really Mm -hmm. like what he's been able to show this year. He's that Kirk Cousins type that could go in Mm -hmm. round four somewhere of where he ends up being a starter. And he was a little bit banged up early on this year. He had a phenomenal game against South Alabama, started off at like 14 or 15 and um, ended up having a fumble early on in that game, too. So that messed up. Um, some of the things that he was able to do but the one game and the one opportunity that i hate he missed was against old miss he had a big what i call resume game of where everybody had circled for him against old miss but he unfortunately yeah. missed that game but um of one player that i would feel comfortable with taking out this group in like the fourth or the fifth round i think pratt pratt would be the one that i'll feel the most comfortable
2: with yeah i think my comp for him right now is taylor heineke so like to give you if you haven't watched two lane play which you should because they're good um i you know i would take jordan travis though and again like i said earlier I'm, I would like navigate or, or go more toward the guys who are athletic, like it, it, mm. just someone who can make plays and Jordan Travis makes plays. I mean, no, he is not the biggest guy. Uh, I think there's some, you know, arm strength flaws at times, but gosh, he's just a playmaker. And so if it's late in the draft, like give me the playmaker, give me the guy who won a ton of games in college. Uh, someone who understands his supporting cast, knows how to get the ball out to his weapons um, and just continues to win.
0: Go check out the entire quarterback hot board is available right now on ESPN.com. Great stuff there from Jordan. Uh, Let's pivot and wrap the show up with a a segment on players who have the most to gain the rest of the season. So we can each dive in and offer up one or two. Matt, I'll start with you. Who do you think has the most to gain and what we'll call the final third of this college football regular season?
2: Gosh, I know we've talked a lot about him already today, but J.J. McCarthy is that guy. Mm. And not just because of the questions like, ah, we wanted that breakout resume game as Jordan said you want that against Penn State didn't get it hopefully we get it against Ohio State but I think that's also like let's look at the draft order right now you know I mean we've got so many teams that need quarterbacks I mean feels like the Bears are gonna have the first pick feels like the Giants are right there with the second pick Kyler Murray looked really good for the Cardinals in his return but the New England Patriots have to figure out a quarterback spot and the list goes on the Atlanta Falcons there's so many teams that need a quarterback And it's like, we're desperate for that QB three this year. And and like McCarthy has a ton to gain. So the spotlight's going to be on him in a huge way, not because he has to overcome any negative play. There just hasn't been a huge, you know, sample size of him throwing the ball or throwing the ball downfield. So I think there's a huge opportunity for him over the next month and a half to, to maybe put his flag on the ground is that QB three. And I have him at like 15 overall right now. So maybe he can even, you know, actually get into that top 10 conversation for us all.
1: What do you think, Jordan? I'm going to go with Georgia offensive tackle Amarius Ah, Mims. Uh, He just returned returned from injury last week against Ole Miss. And they spot played him a little bit. He played every other series and he looked good for the most part. But the one game I have circled is the SEC title game. They are already scheduled to play Alabama, <laughs> him against Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell, oh, yeah. a player that's had a breakout season this year. So, Amari's Mims has a lot to gain down the back stretcher this year, and I think his reps are going to increase as he distances himself from that tightrope surgery that he had on his ankle. So, he has a lot to gain, and he's in that mix. He's kind of in that second tier with, along with Joe, excuse me, Joe Alt and uh, Olu Fashionu are in that tier one by the lonesome, in my opinion, but he's in that second tier of offensive tackles uh that is a very, very deep group right now. I'll go to the same. And they're all
2: right tackles. That's what's crazy. All, yeah. They're all right tackles. Well, a couple. Of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all, yeah it's, it's like, like that, that tier two is right. all yeah, right tackles. Yeah, so, yeah.
0: yeah. Which, which that position has seen its value rise a ton over the past couple of years here. Uh, I'll pick the same team and a teammate coming off of the same surgery who's been playing for a while now. Uh, Lab McConkey. Uh, was he? Was he also tightrope? Obviously, uh, Brock Bowers is a tightrope. I think uh, Ladd might have been. Was he ACL? Anyways, whatever. That's not important right now. (laughs) But Ladd has been back for a handful of games now. And there's a handful of games more potentially for Georgia. And along the lines of what you guys have been discussing, it's not that Ladd hasn't shown what he can be. It's that the further you get into the season and the stiffer the competition and the more that you produce, the more it opens our eyes to have we just not been paying enough attention to this guy? And in a very very deep wide receiver class Lad McConkey has a chance I think to emerge As a legitimate first round pick Especially once we get to the pre-draft process And we see just how fast he runs But the NFL yeah. is going to always defer To the 6 to 225 pound yeah. wide receiver Who can run the 4 Ladd's Lad's not going to be that big He's definitely not going to be that heavy But he might run that fast, and I think that one thing that we are realizing now in the NFL with some recent hits like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Justin Jefferson, who I know he's a hard guy to compare anybody to, but like none of those guys, if you met them on the street, are going to wow you as like, oh my god, that guy's six foot four, two hundred and twenty five pounds, like he could be Mm -hmm. a defensive end if he weren't a wide receiver, and. McConkie is not going to blow you away with his uh, sort of physical stature, but that dude has been awesome. And if you're looking at just simply route running ability – It's on the very short list for the best in this entire class. A lot of wide receivers can make themselves some money over the last month or so of this college football season. Anybody else that either of you wants to mention that you have to get off your chest amongst a player that could see a stock go up or down, depending on how the last few weeks unfold?
1: I could go on and on. I have a long list. Two corners I would love to add, both in the SEC, Tyrion Arnold at Alabama, and also Kamari Lassiter. At Georgia, yeah. like there's some optimism, like he may be the best corner at Alabama. And I still have Kool-Aid McKinstry yeah. uh, graded higher than the yeah. um, than Tyrion Arnold. But Arnold has been he's been phenomenal this year. That's the best way that I can put it. And last there has also been a breakout candidate, too.
2: I'll throw two more out there. We'll stay SEC Enos Raikstra in Missouri, uh, who had a fantastic game this past week. Mizzou is quietly really good. I don't know why they're not getting more love, yeah. but uh, Enos Raikstra, super athletic, really fun player. And then at LSU, Malik Neighbors is the yak god of this class, but Brian Thomas Jr. is the touchdown machine. His length and ability to adjust on deep balls is is beautiful. Uh, so those are our two guys who maybe get overshadowed a little bit by some peers in the conference, but I I think they're both first rounders.
0: There's gonna be some guys that are gonna be like, you know, sixth or seventh at their respective position in our rankings going into the draft. But at certain positions, that might very well be like a solid first-round pick this year, right? The sixth or seventh wide receiver, the sixth-best quarterback. and We're talking about Jaden Daniels maybe being the sixth-best quarterback. He could go top of the second round, late in the first. That just seems to be how the NFL draft tends to go, right? If you're going to take a guy in the top of the second, you might as well get that extra year of contract control the back end of the first, the sixth or seventh offensive tackle is going to be a really good player. So uh, this is a year where uh, depending on the position you play, you may feel like we are slighting you, but we really aren't. There's just a lot of depth at that position relative to others in this upcoming draft. Uh, As always, go check out these gentlemen's work all over social media, X, Instagram, you name it. (laughs) Quarterback Hotport is available. Matt, what is the next thing coming around the corner for you that you want to plug?
2: Man, I actually think I have a mock draft coming out pretty soon. Uh, Let's go. go. Let's go. Head, so that we'll rip that to shreds when it comes out. Don't worry, I'll be ready for it. <laughs> I already right, hate I, it. I already hate yeah, it. Yeah, we did team needs recently, Jordan. That should be coming we out did. soon. Uh, I know we're we're doing like a consensus mock draft. There's just it's it's heating up. The editors are keeping us yeah. busy. It's heating up. All
0: right, for Matt Miller and Jordan Reed, I am Field Yates. We'll see you guys again probably in a couple weeks or so here on First Draft.